I'm Stefan Sittig, and welcome to American Theatre Artists Online, where we talk with leading contemporary figures in American theatre. If you've been enjoying the American Theatre Artists Online podcast, I urge you to consider donating to help the artists who produce the theatre that we all love so much. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, millions of performers, designers, directors, choreographers, stage crew members, and theatre administration staff are either without a job or in peril of losing their jobs. The Actors Fund provides assistance to artists to cover basic living expenses such as food, essential medications, utilities, and more. If you love and enjoy theater, please consider donating to the Actors Fund today. Just go to actorsfund.org and press donate. My guest today is Tony Award winner Beth Level, who has been delighting Broadway audiences for decades. She was nominated for the 2019 Tony Drama Desk, Drama League, and Outer Critics Circle Awards for The Prom. And she received Tony, Drama Desk, New York Outer Critics Circle, and LA Drama Critics Awards for her performance as the title character in The Drowsy Chaperone. Beth also received Tony, Drama Desk, and Outer Critics Circle nominations for her role as Florence Greenberg in Baby, It's You. Her other Broadway credits include Mrs. June Adams in Bandstand, Emily in Elf, Donna in Mamma Mia, Frau Blucher, in Young Frankenstein, Dorothy Brock in the 42nd Street Revival, Tess in the original company of Crazy For You, Mrs. Bixby in The Civil War, Ellie in Hal Prince's Showboat, and her Broadway debut as Anytime Annie in the original production of 42nd Street. She will soon be bringing the iconic role of Miranda Priestley to the Broadway stage in the highly anticipated production of The Devil Wears Prada. Hi, Beth. Hi, how are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much for being on this podcast on our American Theatre Artists Online. I'm so excited you got to do this. Thank you. Me too. And thank you so much for including me and calling me an American artist. Thank you. You're, that's, you're welcome. That's such a compliment. Well, you are. And you definitely are one of the leading figures in musical theatre right now and um when i was preparing for this interview and going over your resume and everything that you have done i i just kept getting surprised over and over and discovering things that i didn't even know i had seen you in which was so fantastic oh that's cool oh i can't wait to hear <laughs> i know yes we'll get there we'll get to them but um so first of all how are you doing with everything that's going on are you still in new york or did you yeah we're still in new york you know it's been tough yeah. uh, to say the least that our industry is paused for an indefinite amount of time and the uncertainty with me and my fellow storytellers and it, it's it's interesting and I've been doing a lot of coaching and teaching and kind of reaching out to my tribe taking care of each other and there's nothing we can do except take care of each other and take care of ourselves and it's it really I feel like it's just one day at a time because we just never know what tomorrow's going to bring. And I'm, you know, I'm Absolutely. extremely optimistic and I will continue to do, to feel that, that our industry will come back stronger than ever. It's just going to take longer than we thought it would. So 
you know, it's a, it's an interesting time to be an artist. <laughs> uh, absolutely, and you know, and God bless all of you. And you know, I'm I've asked that everyone that listened to this podcast consider donating to the Actors Fund, ActorsFund.org. Oh, the um, Actors, thank you. The Actors Fund has been absolutely a lifesaver and an amazing, amazing organization and an amazing group of human beings. Yeah, because people love to talk about, oh, I love this show, I love that show, and I and even, you know, a lot of people that are my colleagues, I say, well, are you donating? Because you need to help people, because this is when uh, Broadway actors, and all actors, all theater people... Yeah, need, it's all need, theater. Yes, they need our help. Uh, and a lot of them are unable to work, and I have a lot of friends who have had to move and things like that, so... You know, God bless you guys for hanging in there. And so were you working on a specific project uh, that got paused or yeah, were you yes, on a break? I, Well, you know, I've been cast in The Devil Wears Prada. <gasps> We've got to talk and, about that. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Every, okay, know, heads are exploding. We're supposed to be doing, even as we speak, uh, like an eight-week workshop. But that didn't happen. Okay. And then I had about nine concerts and two cruises canceled oh, and yes. three other benefits and concerts and it i was supposed to be at the muni uh, all of june playing mama morton in uh, in chicago Chicago. and for the first time in the muni's the muni's in st louis it's the Mm -hmm. largest outdoor theater eleven thousand. it's a very intimate space um it's like hello just you and eleven thousand friends yes i know just a just a small gathering um (laughs) their whole season was canceled so oh my gosh I know, yeah. I know. Well, We've been trying to help with the Muni, too. You know, he's released, I did a concert, and they did that. Anyway, anyway, we're doing, Adam and I are, my fiancé and I are going to sing a duet from Gypsy as part of the Muni uh, celebrating just to do, so the Muni can do something to keep its, um, keep active. We're going to do a song. And didn't, didn't Adam play Herbie and Gypsy at the Muni? He did. Yes. He did. You guys, he did. Adam Heller, your, your fiancé. My fiancé, yes. Your fiancé. So, um, no, that's great. I mean, I, I think that the, all the things that artists are doing to help each other and all the things that everyone is trying to do to, to work together and collaborate to get through this period is wonderful. But on to happier things. I wanted to talk, uh, audience that are listening now probably know you best right now because it's kind of pretty contemporary, pretty something that happened pretty recently, um, from your amazing work as Dee Dee Allen in The Prom on Broadway, your Tony-nominated uh, work. Uh, can you tell us about The Prom experience? Tell us a little bit about what The Prom was for those who didn't get to see it. Sure. And, oh, I'd and, be happy to. And, and I'm sorry that if you didn't get to see it, because to me, it was one, it was a life-changing kind of event yes. in so many ways. Um, I just think it was a special piece, and I think, you know, we were so sorry that it closed early, but I think it's going to be one of those shows that just will grow and resonate the longer it's in the universe, when people are become aware of it and when the rights are released. But that said, it's, um, I've been involved with it for almost nine years. Wow. Which is unbelievable, and I am lucky enough and I mean, this is one of the greatest privileges ever for an actor is that this part was written for me. So I didn't have to audition or anything. <laughs> I, was gonna I, ask. I know, it's just... Oh, but, it's and just so tell us great. a little bit more about the prom. <laughs> for those who ha- who don't know what the prom is about, for those who have, have missed that, what is it yes. in... Tw- can you do a 25 words or less of what, what the show is about? I'll try. Yeah, it's, it's about a group of Broadway actors whose careers are failing after an opening night of a show that was terrible called Eleanor 
wrote the musical, you can only imagine. <laughs> and they decide, these four narcissistic actors, they decide that they need to, to get some press in any way, shape, or form. So they start trying to find a cause and nothing speaks to them. And then all of a sudden something comes up on Twitter about this lesbian in Indiana who the uh, Parent Teachers Association has decided to cancel the prom because they will not let her girl her, her go with her girlfriend. And we think, yes, this is a perfect opportunity for us to get attention and go and change these poor people's lives. Oh. So we head out to Indiana and lo and behold, they change our lives. So mm. it's a beautiful story about love and discovery and inclusivity and acceptance wrapped up in phenomenal show tunes and dance. And uh, it's a story about, you know, for my character finding her authentic heart mm. and love oh. through, uh, you know, show tunes, oh. which I don't think there's a, a, any better way to discover your heart than through show tunes. Absolutely. And I, yeah. I, I got to see it in December of 2019, I believe, or 2018. Okay. I forget which one now, but it was fabulous. And, um, Don't even ask me what day it is. Who knows? It's like it's Monday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday. What year, what day? But uh, I do remember the performances, and you all were fantastic. And it really, for me yeah. for me and my boyfriend, to be able to sit there and watch this, you know, we're, we're um, watching the 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 story of, of this young lady in, in this town in Indiana and, and everything she was going through. And it was just, you laugh, you cry. Uh, it's a great show. And and Dee Dee yeah. Allen, so Dee Dee Allen was created for you, the role. Yeah, I know. How, how did that Which happen? Went, oh, the narcissistic diva. Look, Beth, we wrote that for you. I'm like, oh, oh th 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 thank you. Um, but apparently I have easy access to that. Right. So, well, no, let's um, talk about The Ladies Improving, which is a oh song. Oh, my God. One, is that your 11 o'clock number? That's my 11 o'clock number. Yeah. You know, again, one of the privileges about having a show written for you is that the creatives all know my tone and my voice and my comedy and my sensibilities as an actor. So when I get in the room for Ladies Improving, we sit around and they all know my money notes mm. and they all know, you know, mama likes to hold a note every once in a while. And my characters apparently all, it's truthful that they like to hold long notes forever. And you do it so, so well. <laughs> it was written for me and it, what's interesting too and, and I so appreciate that the creatives are so smart that they just keep crafting until they feel like the story is perfected mm. and Ladies Improving started out much more like a kind of Jerry Herman vibe Yeah, and I had the, the Matt Sklar and Chad Bagelin kind of play it for me and it's Casey, Nicola, our director didn't think it had enough drive in it so he wanted it to be more like something from anyone can whistle a sondheim so that's when which gives it such an urgency i was gonna tell you it sounds like it sounds like a mix yeah it sounds like a mix of a sondheim tune with a jerry herman song that's exactly oh there you go that's exactly what happened bam Amazing. And the the way you, you know, I asked someone that I was talking to about, I was going to interview you. They said, oh, oh, yeah, she's so great. But how do you, how would you describe her if you had to describe her? And I, I thought, well, I, she's Beth Level, <laughs> damn it. No, but I, I, I do think there's an energy in that song particularly. I get a Judy Garland vibe from oh, like, thank you. oh, it's like Judy Garland um, with that, you know, it's the intensity of the song. It's the way you deliver it. It's it's just there's something there that's that's really special. 
Um, oh, and you got a, a few standing ovations, I know, uh, <laughs> as you were doing that. It's ridiculous. Oh. You know, after a while, after a while, oh. it became big. People started timing me, you know, how long so I could long. hold the note. <laughs> and so it became a challenge. And, you know, that still felt truthful. I think Dee Dee Allen would because she's trying to impress, you know, the Mr. Hawkins. Right. And uh, so she would do anything she can to get his attention and to show that, you know, there's some, she's actually worth, has as a human being worth something. And if that means holding a note until she faints, so be it. And how did you come up yeah. with all the movement? I mean, is there, there's stuff where you just are like holding on to furniture and you're slinking through the, that office space that, that's on, you know, on this show. And it's, it's, I love watching you move. Thank you. <laughs> I can fake a dancer pretty well. Is that until what you Until they call? ask me to be a dancer. Yeah, I call, I have great, well, style but absolutely yes. no technique oh, um well we but it's know. not when you're in a room with casey he because we know each other so well he just kind of maps something out and tells me to to get from point a to point b and this is and tony you know, tony award winner casey nicklaw director choreographer who's done a correct. ton of shows uh and you've done several shows with him correct have including Jazz Chaperone and Elf. Uh, yeah, I've done a lot. And you know, I met Casey in the chorus of Crazy for You. So oh, wow. that's how far we go back. Mm. And, and yeah, he just kind of allows me to do he allows me to come into a rehearsal room and I feel very safe and I can throw everything I have up against the wall and we all decide what needs to stick and what needs to go. So it's actually really cool. And the shows that you've done with him, uh, certainly you've been shown in, in the best light. And I think they've, they've worked for you so well. And your collaboration must be special. Yeah, I just trust him so much. And he leaves me alone, but guides me. Well, we just talked about The Prom, which was the last show that I saw you on uh, in Broadway. But um, what... What other, like, so obviously that was not your first show on Broadway. And you had a long that, was that was my lucky number 13. Oh, wow. 13 shows. I, I know. Was say, wow. I'm old. No, you're oh. not. You were a wee lass when you started. You were two years old. And, yeah. That's right. That's uh, right. Thank you. Thank uh, you. But no, I think that, that to you know, going through everything that you've done, you, it's almost prepared. It was ready. You were ready for that prom moment. And it was such a wonderful thing to see you in. But how did your interest in music theater start? Like, just to, to go back. Back a little bit. Um, were you always interested in music theater, or was this something that came about? How did it come about? Yeah, I wasn't interested at all. I didn't even really know what it was, which to me is just criminal. Huh. I grew up in Raleigh, North Carolina, oh. and at, at the time when I was growing up in the the seventies and eighties, maybe the sixties, um, mm -hmm. there wasn't a lot of musical theater to witness. Now it's changed. Now there's huge, you know, the Deepak Center and all these tours come through. But back then. If there, if there was opportunities for me to see musicals, my parents weren't interested, therefore I didn't go. Mm. So I didn't even know about musicals until my senior year in high school when wow. my uh, best friend asked me to audition for the spring musical. And I had, I had seen the musicals at the high school, but nothing, nothing intrigued me to, to go, I wanna do that. Mm. Um, until I was cast as the third lead in Brigadoon. Ooh. And I remember, which was kind of a pseudo <laughs> dance part again, mm. <laughs> but I remember walking into rehearsal. You know, when you're in high school, you rehearse for what, five or six months? Five million and, years. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I remember feeling for the very first time I was at home. Oh. 
And I, I just didn't know what to do with that curiosity, but I just know that I needed to be in that oxygen forever if there was any way, shape or form. Hmm. But realistically, you know, back in 1975, to think, to tell my parents, yeah, I want to go to school to be an actor. <laughs> That's sure. just like, great. So you don't want to eat? Mm, yes. Um, That's usually the reaction. So I went and got a quote unquote normal degree in social work and counseling, but I had a, which, you know what, the social work and counseling, That's so all. much of that is you listening and responding. Yes. And that's all acting is, listening and responding. So I'm grateful for that. But I had a teacher there, a theater teacher, who pushed me and I did mm. everything I could get my hands on. Once I started rolling, it's like, oh my gosh, this is, I feel authentic. Wow. I feel like I'm in a very comfortable swimming pool and I want to stay here. And I did black box theater. I did a show at North Carolina State University. I did the community theater, Raleigh Little Theater. Oh, I just mm. loved it, loved it, loved it. And I must have done, you know, three or four shows a year. And then at the end of that, I was way too chicken to move to New York. And, and my teacher, Linda Bamford, was saying, well, no, I think you really, you, you, owe it to yourself to see what will happen. So yeah. I decided to go to grad school. So that, that would keep me out of New York at least another two years. Sure. I was really but terrified to move to New York. Mm -hmm. And so I went to uh, grad school. I have an MFA from the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. Oh, okay. And I was there for two years. And it was the happiest two years of my life. Nothing but theater. Oh, <laughs> Just yeah. nothing but theater. Theater history, theater everything, you know, theater design. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a great, great time. I got it's a great like, time. Hello, Dolly! There, oh. all that fun stuff. Nice. So that's when you started to solidify and really get your passion—not just your passion for theater going, but your your training. Because I mean, yes. yeah, your MFA is crucial. I mean, not you don't need an MFA to go get on Broadway, but it certainly is that foundation. And that I, I, I do. I needed the foundation. I needed to become a smarter actor. I needed mm -hmm. to. I just needed to be in that oxygen for a couple of years. Um, yeah. So, and and like the, I said, I just immersed myself in it. it yeah. And the, awesome. and the social work probably came, like you said, in handy too, because understanding others, being able to work in a group. And also I've always found, I mean, I found this about you even when I first met you. Um, you're very open. You're very uh, open to receiving sort of what, what's going to come your way. And I think as an actor, what, what's better than that, right? Um, uh, totally agree. Totally agree. So, Thank you. It, I think also, you know, it, it, uh, you learn more about empathy and that mm. also, and working in a group yes. and again, listening and responding. So it, it, I do, I use those skills a lot. Well, you talked about um, a little bit about the prom, which was a more recent show, but I want to delve back a little bit further. I want to go back a little bit, a few years into another role that you originated and created uh, that you won a Tony for, which is Beatrice Stockwell in The Drowsy Chaperone. Drowsy Chaperone, oh. yeah. I saw that show. I walked in. I had no idea what it was. I walked yeah, in. Yeah, I bet you walked in and you had no earthly idea, but no. something else was pulled out and you said, well, let's see the whatever the heck this show this is. Show That's is. how we got most of our audiences initially. And oh my God, I never wanted to leave. Isn't it great? It's, Isn't and, it wonderful? Yes. It's, it Ugh. went by in a zip. I was like, why can't this be four hours longer? It's a love letter to what we do. Uh, it's Absolutely. A, uh, what a great show. And, and the character of Beatrice Stockwell, talk to me about that process. So what was it like um, putting together that show? And that, again, was Casey Nicolau also, right? It was. It was Casey. So what was um, that process it, like? It, uh, they, um, 
I was the the last person to join. Always feels good. <laughs> I auditioned for it, you know, and it's um, the role of Beatrice Stockwell is I like to tell my students when I'm teaching the role was not on the page. Mm. It was just one liners and a lot of white page. So mm. no one, including the creatives, knew the potential or who this character was and how she was going to serve this story. Wow. So they auditioned everybody. So did I tell you the story? Cause you can hear it again. So no. I auditioned and I got a call back. And like mm. I said, uh, there was no music. There wasn't a stumble along yet. If there was actually another song in place, <laughs> but they just said, bring your own stuff in. So I, I, I think I sang 100 easy ways to lose a man. I mm. read the side. <laughs> I, I was not especially interesting <laughs> and you know i you know so when i'm when i nailed it and when i'm like oh that was just so mediocre right, you didn't so i thought that was mediocre but out of pity they gave me a call back and so i went <laughs> in and did the same thing again i don't think a whole lot better again part of that's because the, I, there was nothing to, for me to dig my comedy into yet sure. there was yes. nothing there's no pair of shoes to step in yet mm -hmm. so you're just kind of stabbing at choices which is always probably not the smartest thing so because Casey and I were friends he actually called me the following week and said I'm so sorry thank you for auditioning but you didn't get it and I said I, I know I said I don't think I'm the person I don't think I'm the woman to bring her to life to bring her off this page so rumor has it that they all I know this is true they all went to Los Angeles the creative teams and started auditioning like TV divas mm. uh, like Eartha Kitt. Oh. So I, they were kind of going to go in that genre. Yeah. Uh, Joan Van Ark, remember Knott's yes. Landing? Yes, I remember Joan Van Ark. Tina Louise. Oh, wow. That so, yeah. kind of ilk, yeah. that yeah. beautiful, you know, a right. woman that was older than I was. Yeah. Um, so nothing worked out. Nothing, nothing worked out. They came back to New York, started auditioning again. And I, what I think I have heard the trajectory of this is, is that they hired someone and the person changed their mind because mm. it wasn't a very big part. And again, it still wasn't really on the page. So then I think they were just stuck and I get a call. My auditions were in the spring and I get a call in October, which is five, six months later mm. from my agent saying, I have a job offer and you know, a job offer means you don't have to audition. And it was not the, best working time for us so we were sure. broke oh. so I was like yes 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 right and it is to play Beatrice Stockwell in the drowsy chaperone mm. and I made him call the casting person back because I knew he had made a mistake <laughs> I just waited it. and he called me back and he said no 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 he said you have been cast mm. you leave in two weeks for a three months out of town uh, Broadway tryout at the Amundsen Theater in Los Angeles pack your bags wow and lo and behold and I also like to you know that is such a great example of what the good news and bad news is about being an actor. The good news is, well, let's put it this way. The bad news is you just never know what tomorrow is going to bring. Yeah. The good news is you just never know what tomorrow is going to ah, bring. Either way, so right? I'm sitting here trying to figure out if I have time to work at Macy's and then I get this call and I am cast in a show that changed the rest of my life and my career. Wow. And so when you got to LA to do it, was it set in stone or did you change things as it oh, went on? Was it workshop? everything. Oh. We really, again, with Casey being there and Bob Martin oh. and the creatives, I think they were waiting for someone 
to spark some kind of idea. And we would spend, we would spend mornings 10 to 12 doing research together and improv games, Mm. which was really, I remember when he said we're going to do theater games, I, I, you could feel my eyes rolling (laughs) in the back of my head. Was it like Viola Spolin and those things or what the, Uh, it was, uh, let me tell you in a minute what that was. Cause that, that theater game solidified who the direction which this character was going to go. But mm. we would sit around and watch films from the 20s just to, so we could all be stylistically on the same page because idea. there's a certain energy. And you've, you've seen acting mm-hmm. in the 20s, mm. but it still has to be truthful. It's right. no, there's no winking in it. There's no right. uh, making fun of it. It's all very truthful. So we would spend time working on that. And then we started a game called Hot Seat. Mm. And by that, we also wrote a bio. You know, a lot of right. people like to do that, which I think is really helpful, sure. except if you don't know who your character is. I wrote a bio, which was meaningless. <laughs> I, I, I was just mean. Now I could write it. Now I could give you a whole a novel sure. about Beatrice Stockwell. Well, but back then, it. I was just, well, she's she's from England. <laughs> really famous. You know, just, I didn't know what yeah. I was doing. Right. Um, so with the hot seat, we did it uh, for about a I felt like a week. Mm. And what would happen is there's a stool and then all the creatives and all the staff and every, you know, everyone in the room is in back of a table and you're introduced as your character and you walk to the stool, the hot seat, and they fire questions at you and you answer in character. Uh, this is a real challenge if you don't know. what. Yeah, you if know, you haven't made those decisions, yeah. Really know who your character is yet. But it's informing as well because mm. things are coming out of you organically. And then sometimes you realize, well, I just, we still don't know who she is yet. But one of the last exercises, for the first, it was my turn, and Casey for the first time said, ladies and gentlemen, Dame Beatrice Stockwell. Now, he'd never used the word dame before. Mm. So that just kind of informs, right. you know, your your hierarchy and the, the theatrical landscape. Sure. So I walk on, and now I'm a dame. It makes me walk differently. Uh, uh. And the entire cast and creatives stood up behind the table and started going, bravo, bravo, like I was the biggest star on the planet. Oh, that's great. <laughs> that completely informs. I was like, oh, well, there's that. And then I just bowed and I kept bowing going, oh, thank you, darling. Oh, please, no, stop, 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 stop. And I bowed all the way to the floor. <laughs> and I, re- I went, there she is. She's this narcissistic diva. And that queen and that yeah. completely informed the directions we needed to go. And then by that afternoon, we were in there with a new song called Stumble Along. And they kept going, can you sing this high? Can you sing this high? Can you belt that? And we just all created it together wow. from then on. And then we would go into rehearsal. And I would always stand in front of Sutton. And it was like, oh, my gosh, of course that's what she does. So that informed <laughs> that whole thing, all that comedy, pulling things in front of her. Bless her heart. She was such a good sport. Well, it's funny. So, it's yeah, it's great to be in a room that you feel safe. And again, I could throw everything against the wall and mm-hmm. they would tell me what works and what didn't work. So the process and- of creating a show, creating a character from whole cloth versus stepping into a character that's already Absolutely. been created. Absolutely. And like you- replacing someone in a show or yeah. having or doing guys and dolls. And, right. you know, the, the, the boundaries and what works for Adelaide are really kind of clear. Right. And you don't want to mess with that. So you've done both successfully. And what have you encountered? Obviously, you've already described some of the the things that are the highlights. Uh, But creating versus stepping into a role, what are the different challenges? um, 
you know, there's such an ownership to creating a role that can, that's just uh, priceless. Mm-hmm. Again, giving birth to something that has your DNA yes. all over it. Yeah. And that will be remembered and recorded mm-hmm. forever with your DNA giving birth to this, this woman. Yeah. Um, it's terrifying. And when it works, it's unbelievable. Right. And the difference when you go in to replace a role, uh, like I did Mamma Mia, I was like the 4,000th Donna. Um, okay, you were after Carolee Carmella, right? You I was after Carolee, yeah. Right. And uh, it just depends on the show's energy and what the creators of the show want. Uh, with Mamma Mia, they really allowed me to bring my own voice into it, which sometimes does not happen. Right, sometimes so it's more structured. Yeah. Sometimes, like I know, like a uh, show like Chorus Line, the specificity mm-hmm. of the exactness of the choreography and being on the numbers is it. The show depends on it. Yeah. Mama Me, not so much. I think they nice. liked to organically mime whatever you could bring to something and still stay truthful to the you know the intention of the story and the ABBA music. Um, I replaced Andrea Martin in Young Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Yes. That wasn't as long as a, a rehearsal. It was it, it was kind of like add water, stir, you're on. Mm-hmm. Um, funny story is Andrea's, I think, 5'1". Mm. I'm in those shoes like 5'8". And yeah. the, I don't know if you remember, there's a very high wig. Mm-hmm. And they built the arc to the castle around her height. And during my put-in, which oh, is no. a time when you go and you're in costume and Mike and everyone else is there just to put you in. It's a... They love doing that. We all love put-ins. Yeah. <clears throat> so much um, fun. I couldn't fit through the arc, uh, the arch. Oh. Of, so I walked in with my candelabra. It was like, when I... <laughs> and everyone and thought it was a I, bit. Everyone, it was hilarious. <laughs> so I had to, they're not going to rebuild the set for my head. So I had to learn how to like do a limbo and fit my Lean wig back. and my head with my candelabra under that arch <laughs> and say my first line. It was pretty funny. It's like a Mel Brooks bit. <laughs> exactly. exactly. I think he's been very proud. So that's so creating versus stepping into a role that's already been uh, put on, you know, on, on stage. So there, there, you've, you've had experience with both. And, and I have. And I have. Again, great. I would choose to do an original production again because of that DNA thing. But it, sure. it like I said, it's all on you. Right. <laughs> you know, when you go into a show like Mamma Mia or Young Frankenstein or 42nd Street, you know it's established. It works. It's gotten reviews. You don't have to worry about that stuff. You're probably going to have a job. With yeah. an original show, you're just praying it all resonates with the people that want to sit in the seats and buy tickets. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think that that it's important. That, you know, you need to... to it's a different muscle that you use when you when you do mm-hmm. one versus the other, and I think it's good to have both that you that you've done Absolutely. both. Oh, absolutely! And I'm I feel I'm a real a real worker bee. You know, work is work. Mm-hmm. I'll go anywhere where there's work because I like to work. Now, like talking work. about creating roles and 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 originating roles and all that, you you have an interesting thing in your career, which is that you your first show on Broadway was the uh, correct me if I'm wrong the original production. Of 42nd Street? Correct. Not the original cast. Not I the original I was cast. Original production. Fourth replacement for okay. Anytime Annie. Okay. Um, and, that, and I was I was cast in the first national tour and was out there for 
seven or eight months. Wow. And then the show opened on Broadway and they offered it to me and I came in and did Anytime Annie for almost four years, including a trip to Japan where we filmed it for um, NHK Hall, which is kind of like this fancy Japanese HBO huge thing. Wow, what an experience. It was really an experience. Huh. And so your, your first show on Broadway is 40 seconds. It's hilarious. You keep saying, you keep saying, I'm not a mover. I'm not a dancer. And yet almost a lot of your roles require you to, to move. See how, see how well I fake it? You have you no idea. Well, and well, well, I mean. I had to go through in 42nd Street to, I mean, I took tap class. Thank God my mother made me take tap class. So I, I had a vocabulary. Right. But you know, dance is not something that you can just jump back into after 12 years. Sure. So I, I my audition, I was, they liked my singing and my comedy and sure. my energy, but my tap skills were under par. Wow. So they gave me a week to learn this routine. And she taps so a lot. And, and anytime Annie has that, that tap that big top. Oh, time. that's so d- which I can I still do to this day waiting in lines. So I'll just oh. look down and I'm like, you were doing that tap step. It stayed with stop. you forever. But Oh my god. Uh, and then I don't know how much many years later, um <clears throat> later I saw you in 42nd Street playing uh-huh. Dorothy Brock. I know. So and you, I, you know I have, this is a question maybe yeah. I've asked a couple of times. Has there been another actress not an actor, a woman who has gone from one role in the original show and been cast in the older role in the revival. Yes, there's one I can think who? of. Bernadette Peters. Wasn't in what? She, wasn't she in Gypsy as one of the kids? Or am I wrong? She, well, I think you're wrong. She played Baby June. I don't think she, she played did? Baby June on Broadway. She was not in the original cast. She played Baby June in Gypsy and then went on to play Mama Rose. Mama Rose. But I don't, okay, I don't I, think it was Broadway. I had though. no idea she was a Baby June. She was. She oh, talks about it all her. the time. She talks about it all oh, the time, but I don't know if it was on Broadway. So I may be eh, kind of like half wrong on the trivia question. That's okay. Because someone told me a person that had done it and I can't remember who it is. It might be it's just like, you. Uh, 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 no, I think there's... Well, I, but I was hoping to get some kind of tiara or at least, you know. <laughs> you wanted a special robe or a award. little, little mm. plaque, plaque or something. You want something. Yeah. But no, and I remember seeing that. I walked into that to the revival and I think it was, don't quote me, 2000, 2001, something like that. It was. It was and all I remember is because it, it was 9-11 happened yes. during that time. So I saw it right I before. I know when that show was. Yeah, and I remember the, saying, this person, whoever she is, is fantastic. Oh, and I had not yet seen it. Just five years later, I saw you in Jowsey Chaperone. And then it's like every couple of years, I'd be like, this lady, they need to keep her working. She's fantastic. <laughs> they're, they're, Thank they you. did. And they did. So, um, and talk about, talk a little bit about, um, so you've talked about 42nd Street. You've talked about the prom. You've talked about Drowsy Chaperone. There's so much to talk about with you. Um, but one of the things that's interesting to me, because I'm a huge fan of, um, Motown and 60s uh, pop music, you know where I'm yeah. going here, is um, Florence Greenberg and Baby It's You. Tell us about that show. La, 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 baby, baby It's You. Oh, I got, I got um, to do that with Beth Level. Okay, I'm done. Okay. I'm done today. <laughs> Isn't the music great? Oh, that was, a, that was an interesting show to do because Just, yeah. the music was great. Um, it got terrible reviews. Mm. I don't think the book was very good. No offense to anyone. And it's hard to do those kind of shows. It really it's is a lot of work. And but it was. I learned that I could have 
my face on a poster representing a show and carry that responsibility. Yeah, that's a great poster. But the the but the the, the thing is, your that character of Florence Greenberg, she was an interesting cookie. I mean, there is just an interesting she was woman. Great. Yes. Yeah, she was great. Was that, you know, it really based on a true story. This woman, Florence Greenberg, was living with her husband in Jersey, uh, in a a very unsatisfying marriage, and her daughter said, Mom, just come see this talent show. And literally that's when quote unquote the Shirelles were discovered and a spark was lit in Florence Greenberg. I think she was toying around with being an agent or a producer. And then she moved to New York and became a hugely successful uh, music producer and left her husband, fell in love with this gorgeous black man. And this was in the 50s and 60s. Mm-hmm. This was like, and she's such a part of that history. And so that to me was fascinating. Yes, it's and a very her, true role. Florence Greenberg's kids actually came to the show. It was like, right. wow. So even though and the show that catalog, that catalog of tunes, oh, great. Wow. And even though the show may not have gotten the best reviews, I think audiences appreciated it. And I, and you got a Tony nomination because that yeah. role is so. You did such a. I mean, that role is so interesting, Beth. It was interesting, and just a sidebar: I had twenty-five costume changes. Wow. Twenty. Were you on stage five. the entire time? Did you have time to take a pee break? Then. Yeah, uh, intermission. One costume change oh. was fourteen seconds. So Jeez. I was like, "Woo!" Those things are roller coasters. Yeah, once you're once you're on it, can't stop. Two, uh, you know, I, I find that once the show opened, we just got better and better and tighter and tighter. And I think the show, when we closed, was almost uh, a, a an, for lack of a better word, improved from the opening night. We, we all kind of had ownership to the story and it was, it was tight and, yeah. and, you know, we were really close as a cast and very talented people. Shows need and time. It, they need time to bake. We really need time to hear our voice. Yeah. And we learned yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, well, that's what a wonderful experience. And so, um, you know, you've done a lot of stuff on Broadway. You've been in a lot of different shows, a wide variety of different parts. And so I'd like to focus a bit on talking to you about your acting because when I look at you and the way that you interpret these roles, it is fully, full on, you know, a lot of people like to kind of downplay musical theater, right? When it comes to acting. And they like to kind of say, well, it's a musical. It's not a serious drama. You are 120% committed. Yeah, I am. It's the only way I can work. I mean, I don't know how you could not give 120% and feel good out there. Yeah. And it's it's so great. And the range of the characters that you've played. I mean, these aren't just I mean, these are these are pretty complex characters, whether you originated them, you're, you're, you know, with with your work in originating or whether you took them on later. They're, they're pretty complex. So there's a lot of stuff that you did. And so now um, you've been. Can I just interject? I'm so sorry. One please. thing I have. Somebody told me the biggest compliment two weeks ago, which in this land of COVID and not working, was so grateful. They didn't believe that I was the same person playing the mother in Bandstand as Dee Dee Allen in The Prom. Oh, I, that almost made me cry. Wow. wow. I was like, thank you. Yeah, you do. Thank you do you. take on a different... That's why I had to go to my playbill and go look to be sure that you played Dorothy Brock when I saw you in, in 42nd Street Revival. Because I was like, wait, that, that, that character was different. That wasn't like... Beth Level. I mean, that was, and then I went in there. It says Dorothy Brock, Beth Level, and I'm like, darn it, she. So you really do inhabit each character differently, and I think that's 
that's the joy of watching you as an audience member is that we, you know, you always are going to get something slightly different. But with that Beth level energy, which I always am crazy for, and I'm a huge fan, as you know. But um, so what tell me more about um, you started to, you know, you've, you've gained all this knowledge, you've gained all this experience from being doing it. Um, now you're starting to pass some of it on. Talk a little bit about your teaching and your coaching and the stuff that you're doing um, around that. Right. I, it, it just kind of happened out of the blue. I started coaching. And while I'm on it, you're talking about me, uh, you know, learning my acting and stuff. I still to this day feel I am a perpetual student mm. and have far, far from stopped learning my craft. Good. Yeah. Uh, far from it. Each show, each show teaches me something different about myself as a person and myself as an artist. And I grow or I make mistakes and I learn and, you know, whatever that knowledge is, mm -hmm. no matter what cost it comes, good or bad, I can take it on to my next job. And I started, people started asking me, you know, listen to this audition song. And I just started telling people about storytelling and acting in songs. And it just kind of took off. And now I, it just fills my soul with joy, A, to be around students who are just starting out in this fabulous business and feeling their energy and their passion and their curiosity and their availability and their trust and just talking about auditioning and getting work and is this audition song going to get you work is that monologue going to get you work why or why not mm -hmm. who are we discovering you know, that's also another perpetual thing, discovering who we are as a storyteller, who we are as an artist. Yeah. And it's just really thrilling to me to witness that. And I got to even, witness it when even I... Even on Zoom, even on the Brady Bunch Zoom land, uh, it's still, <laughs> yes. it still resonates. You know, yes. our, our artistry comes through. So yes. it's really, really cool. And I got to watch you when you were doing a master class with a bunch of students. And wow, the stuff you got out of them, Beth, was great in such a short period of time. So, you know, you, you, you have your craft not only on the stage, but also of teaching. Um, and and, and, and being, it's hard to do. It's not something that everyone can do to convey sort of what needs to be done. And also putting them at ease. You're so good at putting, oh, yeah. putting the yeah, students you know, at ease with the audition. I always like to create a room with a lot of laughs. Yes, I know. Uh, and a really safe, because if I, I know if I don't feel that way, you're not going to get any work out of me. I'm, I'm All these defenses are going up, and I'm worried about pleasing you as opposed to learning something. Yeah, and are so, you... Have a good time. Have you moved it? Have you moved this online now as well, or are you working on that? I is, have. I have. You know, not officially. I'm mm -hmm. connected with a couple of sites, and I have you know, five or six private students. Mm -hmm. It's very un, you know, it's not very thought out. Just like, okay, well, okay, well, I'm available Thursday. And it's it's fun. And right. I kind of see, you know, when I don't want to work anymore, act anymore, which I don't know when that will ever be. Well, hopefully never for us. Uh, hopefully never. <laughs> but I, I like doing this in addition to that. It right. keeps me, it keeps, like I said, it keeps my heart fresh. Well, and it's that perpetual me. learning too, because you learn when yeah. you're teaching as well. Um, Plus, I learn a lot about songs I've never heard before. I'm like, who's that behind? And then I go and do my homework and go, who? oh, that's fascinating. The kids bring out all sorts of things. I'm like, what's oh, that? Yeah. Where? For I, what? I, what show? I know, 
Exactly. Well, it's then good. I, like keeps, I said, I, it gives my homework. Yeah. Like I have to go find out who that composer is and yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's very exciting. Very, used, never too old, never too old. Never too old. And I used to have a teacher that said, if you want to stay young forever, teach. Be around, be around kids and younger people. But so I can't let you go. We've got to wrap up soon, but, but I can't let you go until you talk about the thing that probably everyone is listening to this podcast is going, okay, but when is she going to talk about that? When is she going to talk about that? You know what I'm talking about. The devil, the devil wears Prada. What can you tell us then not have to kill us afterwards? Well, I have so many things to tell you about it. A, I'm so grateful to be in a show for the first time that's already branded. Because, you know, look at my work. It's the prom, the drowsy chaperone, these delicious independent original pieces that no one knows anything about mm-hmm. or there's no brand recognition. To, so to come in with the Devil Wears Prada, you're already so anticipated and heightened and known already. I feel like half my work's done for me because people know what it is and know what to expect. Uh, my challenge is how to make an iconic role that Meryl Streep so beautifully created, Beth Levels, and how to make Miranda sing. And that's also the challenge of the script and the music and all this stuff. We did uh, two Zoom readings right when, right in March, because we were supposed to go in in a rehearsal room just to sit around and read the script. And well, that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. So we read the script out loud for the first time in the Zoom format with actors that I had never met. Wow. Not a challenge at all. No. And you know, <laughs> Zoom thing is really interesting because you're looking at a script and, you know, again, acting is listening and responding and it's, it was, it was odd, but it's going to be amazing. And it's, it's going to be amazing. Can you share who some of the creatives are on it? Uh, yeah, has it been decided? Yeah. I can't share a lot of this stuff because it hasn't been released yet, but the music, get you in trouble. By, uh, the music is by Elton John. And I, I've heard of him, and I <laughs> yeah, really have my fingers crossed that this is going to be his breakthrough. <laughs> and the Finally. director is Anna Shapiro, who is the artistic director of Steppenwolf in Chicago. And that's ultimately, I think, where we're going to be next May. That was hmm. on the schedule for an out-of-town Broadway tryout. But oh, wow. like I said, we haven't done our workshop, so, you know... We, again, there's a lot of questions that aren't answered yet. We need to figure that out. But let me just tell you one thing I found out about Prada. Yes, tell me whatever you want. So delightful. Yes. (laughs) Two things, actually. One that was so thrilling is that I didn't have to audition. (gasps) That's nice. I didn't have to audition. I know. And Anna, the director, had come into the city in the summer and was seeing, she was just doing a musical uh, comedy, a musical fest. She, she saw every musical known to man, but she kind of didn't feel like seeing prom because <gasps> she didn't know what it was about and she just thought it was going to be prom, like a teenage something. Right. She wasn't interested. And um, the lyricist, Shana Taub, had seen it before and made her go. Good. So, thank God, thank because. God. Time during Act Two, apparently Anna leaned over and said, "There she is." Uh huh. Well, yeah. And then I went in the next week, and we had a meeting, and we sat around and talked for about two hours. Mm. And I watched some of the choreography rehearsal, 
So that's that's wow. one thing that she did come see prom. So that's another reason I'm thankful for prom. Thank right. you, prom and yeah, Alan. Yeah. One thing um, leads to another. Anna, well, Anna told me that, and I hope this remains true because it just makes my heart flutter. Sure. All in Prada, in the Devil Wears Prada, all of the houses of fashion that are referenced, i.e. Dior, Givenchy, Prada, um, all the fancy ones that I can't pronounce, mm-hmm. these houses of fashion are going to design <gasps> dresses. You're kidding. And not, not all of them. And they will design it, and then they will give it to the artist in the Broadway wardrobe and design mm-hmm. system. Mm-hmm. Because it has to become eight show a week. Yeah, working. you can't sustain. Yeah, a couture yeah, outfit. Where yeah. couture? Eight know, shows a week. Because it's going to be pit stains yeah, yeah, and yeah. you know. And, oh, but the design. Uh, you know, oh. Eight show a week. But apparently, that's possibly, I hope, still going to happen. And I can you imagine? No, the, I'm, I'm oh, hearing yeah, gasps. I'm hearing your dress yeah. like. Dang. So I'm hoping there's a lot of, I don't know, maybe two or three choices and they don't want two of them. It's like, well, I will certainly take it home. Take care of those for you. They only fit you. Right. They're made for you. But so, uh, you know, this, I'm hearing gasps all over the, the, you know, the internet as we're talking about this. There are people listening to this that are dying. I was just like, what? What did you just say? (laughs) Well, I certainly hope that that comes to pass in all ways, shape, or form. We need this musical. We're going to need it even more when we're done with all of this stuff that we're going through now. We're going to need something like The Devil Wears Prada, the musical. And do you know how much I feel that? I mean, I get asked all the time. It's like, it's still happening. It's still happening because it's like, yes, there's a light at the end of this. there's so much work out there just marinating and waiting and it's going to explode and we're going to have theater with such a a a newfound passion and love for it because we have missed it so much and part of that will be the devil wears prada and my fancy clothes yes (laughs) and then you and meryl are doing this like dance i love keep watching you guys so it's like you do a, so, so let's get this right you've played Donna and Mama Mia on Broadway and Meryl plays Donna in the movie mm-hmm. you've what else do we've got we've got we've got a few um, what's the next one there's prom, uh, you know, she's prom. doing Dee Dee in the movie The Prom there's a movie The Prom so now Meryl's like well I'm gonna do the movie version of uh, again of a Beth Level did The Prom I'm gonna do the movie now you're like haha Meryl my turn <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be doing uh, Miranda yes. in the broad in the Broadway musical. Right. It will be interesting, though, to to, to see. It's it's, I think it's going to be my, one of my biggest challenges and the script: how to lift product and musicalize it. Yeah. How does Miranda sing? Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I can't wait. I oh, can't wait. None of us can. We're all dying. And 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 you know, you're going to give it that that Beth level stamp, and it's going to be different, and it's going to be innovative and new and and it's not you know it's gonna you're gonna take from what's awesome in it but then you're gonna make it your own and when she sings it's something different you know and the songs the song the elton john songs oh awesome i can't wait yeah it's terrifying and I can't wait. Well, the best stuff is when it's terrifying. You'll be, you're going to be fantastic. I agree. You're I agree. Someone fantastic. was asking me, a student was asking me the other day about how do they deal with nerves and being afraid. And, you know, if you, if you have a room of 50 actors or 50 people and you ask that question, how do you deal with that? You will get 50 different answers. But something that I know that I'm terrified about that, but I try, there's a very fine, there's a fine, fine line in the dial between terrified, excitement, and fuel and you'll surf and it I, 
You'll still and take I those fine. Yeah, that if I'm not slightly terrified, yeah, you'll be fine. I don't have the fuel. Oh, so. I can't think of anyone else that I would want to play that part on Broadway, but you. I really can't, Thank you. and I'm not just Fasten saying. Your Fasten <laughs> uh, your we can't wait. Well, Beth, I wish we had another episode so that we could talk more. But unfortunately, we've come to the end of our time. But I am so excited about everything that you've just shared. We're all thrilled, and you know, you have had a career that's been going for for a while, and we wanted to keep going for even further while. So we can't wait to hear about more from Devil Thank Was Prada you. when we're all out of this. Uh, I can't wait to share. I can't wait to tell you all the stories. And thank you so much for joining us here. It has been so much fun as I knew it would be. So thank you. And we'll, we'll, we're going to be keeping an eye on you. We're going to watch you up on that stage doing your thing. I'm ready. Thank, thank you. you. Take care and be safe. Thanks.